Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Mables, a.k.a. Jay Mapes, here as always with the homie uh, Kings. Uh, what's going on, my guy? Man, suffering, bro. Suffering, you know, Raiders L. Then your, your, your Cowboys let me down. <laughs> w. It's, it's just all bad for me this weekend. Yes, uh, man. Uh, I that's probably one of the three worst cowboy losses I've ever endured as a fan. When I watched today, I, 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 it's gonna take me a minute to get over that man. That 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 hurt my soul. Just the way they started out so lax, fourteen penalties, and then just in true Cowboys fashion, give you that fake ray of hope at the end, <laughs> <laughs> lose like that was just like a typical that hit everything on a bingo bingo card for a Cowboys uh, playoff loss. So you know. We'll see what it is. Anyway, we got a really special guest. I've been waiting to get this dude on for a minute. Uh, interacted with him on the timeline. Became a big fan of what he talks about. We have a uh, co-host of Sports 56 WHBQ Grind Time. Uh, radio personality in Memphis, Anthony Sane. On Twitter, he's at Sane Asylum. Anthony, what's going on with you, my guy? Man, I'm good, brother. I'm barely hanging on, though. It's, it is not whatever time it is there in Memphis. <laughs> I know I had to ask when I reached out to Ant to come on the show. I was like, "You Eastern or Central?" I had to make sure, man. I know it's crazy. Man, you know, we appreciate. I'm, I'm old as hell, man. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm using deep REM sleep round by this I time. I know we, we appreciate <laughs> you. We 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 got we got to ask, man. We know you like a son of the city. You are on Memphis sports radio. Are you mm-hmm. a Titans fan? Uh, I grew up on the 49ers, actually, which is why I'm kind of oh, laughing at the, oh which I would say. Uh, I'm not I'm not the biggest <laughs> NFL fan. Okay, okay, you know okay. I mean? Like, I, I grew up as a kid, you know, 49er fan, Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, you know, that era. Um, And when the Titans came to Memphis slash Nashville, I transitioned over, you know, over time. Okay. I'm kind of, I'm kind of indifferent about the NFL now, but between the 49ers and Titans, whichever one's better, I kind of root for. So I'm, I'm kind of geek because I actually can pull for both of them now. So. I know they both, man. I just, I'm, I'm sick, man. I'm sick. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we. <laughs> hey, you should be though, man. Know, you know you, know, you, but we all make our choices in life, man. You chose to be a cowboy fan, so I you know, know man. You I, it's one of those things I wish I could turn off, man. Trust me, yeah. trust me, trust me. <laughs> but. Uh, we invited uh, Anthony here because the Grizzlies are just probably the shocker of the NBA season on a positive note, uh, at least. Had a uh, 11 game winning streak, was it? Yeah, it was 11, 11 game winning streak. Just going, got it broken yeah, on the just, night. Just yeah. got it broken by the Dallas Mavericks, who are playing uh, all right in their own right. They won eight in their last 10 themselves. Yep. Um, man, but the Grizzlies, they do sit at 30 and 15, tied with the Utah Jazz for the third seed. Uh, I said, a 
about a week ago, I felt like they were, you know, starting to hit all the bells uh, of an actual contender. Uh, people thought that was a spicy take. I do not. I look at it as if it wasn't just Memphis, you probably uh, mm-hmm. would be like, yeah, it's a team, but it's Memphis. We're not accustomed to seeing them, you know, in that light since the, right. you know, grit and grind era. So just real quick, Anthony, just your, your post on the team, you watched them a lot more than me and Kings. Uh, you're tapped in with them. Um, do you feel this team can, can make at least, uh, you know, win a couple rounds in the playoffs, be that, you know, reach that, you know, scary team status? Well, um, you made you made some key points. Um, I'll start by saying this. I don't I'm not saying they will do that, but they definitely have the the formula, the keys to do something like that. You talked about do they check off the, the boxes to be a title contender? And they do. They've got a, a superstar player that has the ball in his hands and John Morant. You got an all defensive team um level player in Jaron Jackson, which I'm still trying to wrap my mind around because, <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if you look at Jaron Jackson's on-off numbers, they're incredible. Like yeah, we're going we to talk about Jay. Yeah. I got to see that, that. That's crazy. Yeah. That was a crazy flip of the script this season. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, you got, you got all defensive team level player in Jaron Jackson Jr. You've got a perimeter defender and uh, Dylan Brooks, who's also a maniac. Uh, that's another. That's you something need that. You people. need that, though. Yeah. Every if you look back at every championship team, there's one crazy dude. I don't know if I can curse it out in this podcast, but there's one crazy guy on every team. You know what I mean? And Dylan Brooks is that guy for us. Plus, he's a great, uh, uh, you know, two way player as well. And you got to have outside shooting, and you get that from a guy like Desmond Bain for sure, who's been incredible. Those that's the recipe, man. That's that's been the recipe for years. Only thing that, um, as a fan of the team. Uh, being blessed to cover the team that you're also a fan of. Uh, only thing that I would say is that uh, we don't have the versatile six eight six nine ish six seven ish type player on our team. Right. That's that you good. see that, that you know you've seen in every you know championship team you know forever it seems like. But um, as far as everything else, man, they've they've got the things that would you can see them definitely making a run in the playoffs. But of course, with everything it comes down to health, uh, matchups, you know. Right all those type of things. So, you know, but we'll see, man. It's, it's, it's exciting to talk about that type of stuff with a team that's exactly. in year three of a complete rebuild. Like I was talking to someone else today and the Grizzlies three years ago, Marcus all and Mike Conley were on this roster. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, people, crazy. People that's forget crazy. about that, man. Like that, that, that was three years ago. You know what I mean? So to, to be here now, just three years later, it's uh it's, it's a phenomenal place to see the Grizzlies. Yeah. I just, uh, before I had the case for his test was that the, 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 the late lotto, mid lotto drafting has been just crazy. Oh yeah, they and haven't think, missed it all, yeah, man. If you if you gonna be a, if you a small market team, that's like almost a necessity to kind of make it work. I think they're on the verge of being like the, you know, this generation San Antonio Spurs, kind of kind of yeah. build everything from within. Because just you know, Memphis is not going to be a free agent destination. You know, then after superstars mm-hmm. at least, but you hope that you build a good enough roster where you at least get you know good vets to consider it. I think that's where you know Memphis is heading. Kings, uh, I know you were kind of leaning with me when we discussed this team. Uh, they kind of caught our eye a couple weeks ago. Where are you with Memphis as a potential, you know, contender right now? You know, looking at a big picture right now. Uh, I think Memphis, um, they're a tough team. They have a lot, like I said, versatility, a lot of length. Uh, I like a lot of the size from Dylan Brooks, from Bain, from uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, John Moran is obviously super explosive. Um, one of the guys I'm I'm always gonna be upset that Minnesota let go. Tyus Jones is a great point <laughs> guard. Um, I was one I was adamant on keeping Tyus as well as Rubio, and you know, unfortunately let both of them go. 
But, uh, you know, Tyus is a great backup guard. Uh, you know, Memphis is, is, is young. They, they, they can play a, a variation of styles. I think the one key thing with them to look for is, uh, you know, just obviously the experience factor, you know, how, how much experience they have uh, playing in those championship type of rounds and, and playing those, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, down to the wire playoff series that you always are going to get when you, especially in the Western conference playoff run. And then also, you know, how much they can, uh, you know, to take, take on like teams that are strong in the interior. I think, you know, that's maybe one of the, you know, weaker points you can test Memphis on a little bit. It's just, you know, can, can, can they handle like a, a threat, like, you know, a Giannis type, um, you know, a LeBron type that's physical, that's always going to try and pressure the rim consistently. That's probably one of the, you know, the, the two main things that I would look at. But other than that, they have all the ingredients, they have the recipe. I, I was one of the few people uh, before the season of Maples. Remember, I said the trade with the Pelicans was a win-win. I, yeah, I remember I you said, said that, that, yeah. I said that in July. And people, for whatever reason, thought Memphis was trying to get worse. And I, I, couldn't, un I couldn't understand it because – when, you know, when they traded for Steven Adams, I, my, I thought to myself, you know, they have Jaron Jackson Jr. They have a bunch of, you know, versatile uh, perimeter shooting uh, forwards. It's like they needed that Steven Adams physical type of interior big. Like that would have, that made more sense for them than keeping Jonas, who's more of a uh, shooting type big. And obviously Jonas makes more sense for the Pelicans who needed that type of spacing for a Zion and BI. So for me, that was a, a, a no-brainer swap for them. And then I also like the fact that they got another pick from that. And, you know, I always told people, same thing that we talked about right now. If you're Memphis, you're going to build from the draft. So getting picks when you can is always going to be a, a win for you because it's going to be hard to uh, sign big-time stars. You know what I mean? So it's like these are things that fans don't think about. Obviously, when they look at trades like that from other teams, they assume, like, everybody operates like the Lakers and the Warriors and the Nets where they can just sign anybody whenever. It's like these type of, <laughs> these type of, these type of teams have to think down the line because mm -hmm. you know, they, they have to be able to build through the draft. They have to be able to have their draft picks, have their uh, assets to be able to make any type of trades to improve the team. So Memphis has done an A-plus job on rebuilding and being competitive and, you know, how far they can go is is going to depend on just you know execution of, of uh, the, the assets that they do have, the, the development that they have with the young guys already, and if and, you know if they can develop, they'll be a title contender uh, easily. I mean, you saw what the Suns did just by getting just one Chris Paul to their core. Right. You know, if Memphis just adds maybe just one you know piece, they're right there too with that with that type of uh, echelon for contenders of going to the finals mm -hmm. with a young squad. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the thing I've heard when I marked them off, the main, when I put the tweet out there, the main pushback I got was there's no second star. You know, this is the big, we're in the dynamic dual area, big three era, right? You know, so that's that, that was the pushback I got. Um, my thing was, if you had been watching uh, lately, especially lately, 
in my head, you know, Jaron Jackson is is that guy to me. And I think, but you got it's one of those things where you just you you got to watch to see, especially like defensively, he is legitimately an all all league defender uh, this season. It's kind of crazy because that was not his mo. Yeah, <laughs> at all last year. Uh, talk about that development from him and possibly him being, you know, trying to morph into a number two on this team. Because I saw what opened my eyes when I started watching this. They want they played the Lakers, and he got AD on that mismatch, and he put his shoulder in the AD's chest three times and put up a jump hook, and I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> I never seen I never seen that from Jaron Jackson. So yeah. just talk about you know the 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 flip the switch that he's flipped this year. Anthony and just what you know what what's kind of clicked for him this season Jaron is a very peculiar case man he's one of those guys (laughs) where um his best ability has been his availability if if you look at all of his numbers over the past three years when he's played and when he's not when he's not been injured when he's not had foul problems he's been incredible and in the the time you've seen if you want to see some some vintage uh Jaron Jackson Jr in his short three-year career if you want to see some vintage Jaron Jackson Jr., go check out uh, Jaron in the bubble a couple of years ago uh, yeah. before he before yeah. he got hurt. <laughs> he was murdering, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's one of those guys where you talk about unicorn-type players. Jaron's one of those guys who he's not shooting the ball well at all this year, but you're talking about a guy who's able to knock down threes at a high clip, who can put the ball on the ground and get to the basket. He's not, he's not, he's not like a... He's not like a Giannis or a KD. He doesn't have that type of ball-handling ability, but he has, he has an ability to to cover ground quickly. Like he can take long steps and get a couple of dribble moves off to get to the basket. He's been getting to the free throw line a lot more this year. Um, he's actually, you know, scoring in the post more. And it's weird because we've seen, we've seen Jaron's game develop within the season, if that makes any sense. When he, right. when he first started the season, he was just shooting a bunch of threes, hovering around the three-point line, not really getting involved in the offense. And like something just clicked, man. Like we, we made jokes about uh, Dylan Brooks being – like a Jaron whisper or Jaron being afraid of Dylan or something like that. We, we joke about that type of stuff, but we're starting to think it's for real because it came, the conversation came up in a press conference and Dylan was like, yeah, I, you know, I motivate Jaron. <laughs> like, and it was, it was so strange to hear him saying it. I was like, nah, it ain't strange. Cause it seems like that's actually what happened. Um, but Jaron, he's one of those guys. Something that people forget is that this, this Grizzlies team is super young. We're the second youngest team in the NBA. That's crazy. Uh, That's crazy. John Morant is exactly because the team is just, they're young. It's supposed to be terrible. It's right. supposed to be Orlando <laughs> like for decades. You know what I mean? So um, like, like John's super young. John's 22 years old. I think 21 or 22, whatever age he is, Jaron is younger than John is. And Jaron played <laughs> a year before John did. So it's wild, man, because he's, He's one of those guys where he's very immature. And I don't mean like in a bad way, not like Dwight Howard immature, but like he's <laughs> he's still got a lot of innocence, youthful innocence to himself. Jaron does. Because when they we when we first got Jaron and we found out that he was a guy that could block shots, people asked him how does he time his blocks? Like how does how does he how has he became a good shot blocker? And he's like, you know, second, third in the league now in shot blocks. They asked him how how was he able to block shots when he was a rookie? And his answer was, um, I learned from playing NBA 2K, and that was a real answer. Like that was that was why he said he got he learned how to block shots, and you know that's that's the type of you know immaturity you you talk about with Jaren, who's still a kid, uh, just learned how to drive recently in the last year or two. Um, I remember seeing Jaren in public, and this tall, eight feet tall kid walks into the room, ducking to get into the door, 
he's talking about how he just learned how to drive. I'm like, man, you're you're a millionaire. You're like 21 years old. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? So it's you know you're, you're talking about that level of kid. So there's with all I said all that to say that he's still a work in progress. He's still moldable. He's still he's like this big bag of tools that you still have to try to work on because. We, with Jaron, we still feel like we're dealing with a guy who you haven't even touched close to what his potential could be. He's 22 years old. You know what I mean? So we don't really know what he's going to end up being. And you see so many weird flashes of things he's able to do, whether it's some type of Euro step or, you know, throwing up floaters in the paint, like you said, uh, bodying up with, with Anthony Davis or going one-on-one with Carl Anthony Towns again, 20, 10, and 5. Like, we don't – like, it's it's so strange, the stuff you see with Jaron, man. But but we're here for it. Like you said, he's been he's not been injured this year. He missed one game due to knee soreness. He hasn't had the COVID bug at all this year. So we're just, it's just been an extremely pleasant surprise. And we're talking about a guy, like you said, who's an all defensive team candidate type of player. For sure. Right. Kings, your thoughts on Jared Jackson? I know you've always been a fan of the talent. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the longest time with Jared Jackson, it's always been that um, people, people would always say that people like the idea of Jared Jackson Jr. Uh, more than the actual player that Jerry yeah. Jackson Jr. was. That was always like the running uh, theme they had. But um, just this year, he's putting it together with his versatility, especially the defense. I think for me, him becoming the defender that he, he is now was always the, the way for him to elevate the team. Because when you see those physical tools that he has, that you always think about how much of a terror a guy like that could be defensively being able to switch out on the perimeter, mm-hmm. being able to guard guys in the interior. Like that always is what you look at when you see a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. who's 6'10", very fluid, very mobile. It's like, man, this guy can really wreck uh, offenses from a defensive standpoint. And to see him, uh, you know, buy into that is is a, is a pleasant surprise. I, I think that's been really been a big driving factor for Memphis in, in helping them sure up that defense and helping them uh, – reach the level that they are right now is having that all defensive caliber player because a lot of young teams that are good or are competitive, like you see with the Wolves, you see with the, um, you know, that you kind of saw with the uh, Pelicans when Zion was there was that they, they're very good at scoring, but they, they, they're not very good defensively. That's right. always what keeps them in that 500 tier, uh, just, you know, playing low level seed. It's not until you, they defend, to where you see them take the next step. That's what you saw with Phoenix last year, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You saw Devin Booker and Aiden defend at a high level. That, then Phoenix finally took that next step. So it's when guys, when these young guys start to defend and defend at a high level, and you see Jaw doing it too this year, uh, improving his defense. When you see guys start to defend at a high level, then you see the team really take off because now they're playing a complete game. So Jaron Jackson Jr. is molding himself into a complete player. And he's super young. So offensively, he still has a lot of time to kind of refine his game and yeah, kind yeah. Of find out what he wants to wants to be offensively. I think he can shoot the ball. He's long. He can put the ball on the floor. So I think he's still trying to mold himself into figuring out, you know, where he wants to go offensively. And that's exciting for Memphis because now, you know, they're a good team now. They're a dark horse now. And they're, they're far from being a complete team. Yeah, man, that's uh... – that's the thing I think Anthony hit on the nail that I, I didn't know they were the, I knew they were, you know, like top five, that they, they being the youngest team in basketball yeah. being a top five team defensively. Um, let's talk yeah, a little Steven bit. Adams, yeah. Steven Adams is the oldest player on our team. He's right, like 20. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, so I got to ask, um, we, we haven't heard much talk about Taylor Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, 
players have got to go out there and win. But if you have a youngest team in the NBA and they're a top five team defensively, I, I think something's got to be said as far as the coach. It's so hard to get young guys to be effective NBA basketball players on offense, which is what they want to play, usually how they got drafted. But to have them so locked in on the string uh, defensively, um, just talk about, you know, a little bit about Taylor Jenkins and just, you know, what he's brought to the team over these last couple of years, Anthony. It's, uh, it's, it's really strange as well because you're talking about a situation where we're a young team that's developing ahead of schedule and we're led by a coach that's a young coach that's developing right. ahead of schedule. You know what <laughs> I mean? And um, it's interesting because I don't know if you guys have this in the market you guys live in, but we have open practice here in the beginning of the season. Like when they have a training camp, they take one day where they have an open practice where fans get to come. The Lakers and the Warriors do that. The Lakers and the Warriors. They have okay, a, they, cool. They have, they have, I was talking to someone else, and they said they didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. But so, yeah. So they, they had open practice here, and typically when they do it, they're running NBA drills. They might scrimmage. Uh, they do a player introduction. But it's real structured. It looks like something you would see in the actual NBA practice. They run drills and, you know, those right. type of things. Um, Taylor Jenkins' first year, they're playing, like, field day PE games. Like, <laughs> knockout. um, just weird, just games we played as kids with the basketball and a goal, but it, but it's not particularly any kind of structure to it, like um, just races and just weird kind of stuff they were doing, right? And I was like, okay, this guy's on some PE teacher vibe type thing, whatever, you know, <laughs> that's what's up. But uh, and then we interviewed the players later on in the season when they were kind of winning ahead of schedule because you know they were they made it to the playing tournament their first year together, you know, yep. the first year of the uh, rebuild. Yep. So. <laughs> we're talking to the guys and we're like, all right, so how do you guys get this chemistry? And it was like, oh, well, you know, today in practice we had a, um, we were playing dodgeball or we were playing, um, what's the game? Um, kickball. You know what I mean? Like this, like it's, it's so weird, man. Like cause our team is super young and they're playing little kid games. It's, we didn't play basketball today. We played kickball for practice. You know what I mean? And, and that's the type of stuff that he does to build chemistry with these guys. And you'll walk in sometimes, and I walked into practice one day, and they're having a free throw shooting contest with a championship belt where the winner has a championship <laughs> belt around his waist. And it's like they're just – they do these wild things to just build chemistry and camaraderie with each other. And those guys genuinely play like they love each other, like they're playing for each other all the time. And he's created a wild environment for that. And he's used very unorthodox methods. But if you think back to some of the great coaches, whether it's Phil Jackson, Popovich, they've all had something they do that's their thing, that's their niche that they do that's some weird That's different, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and he's he's done that, man. These guys have a – they're posing for team pictures after every game. And it's and it's the wildest, <laughs> it's the wildest thing you've ever seen, man. Like, you you guys are grown men. Like, y'all realize it, right? But, like, we, we, we say that they're the second college team here, you know what I mean, with the way that these guys act. Because they're, they're super young, too, as well. But um, there are things about him that frustrate you. His rotations don't make a lot of sense sometimes. And you'll see him playing guys who probably should be the 13, 14, 15 man, but they're playing big minutes and it frustrates you. But that guy's John Conchar. And this year he's having games where he's getting 13 points, <laughs> no, 15 points, 17 rebounds, and he's a 6'5 guard. And this is a guy that used to drive you crazy. He used to drive me crazy. I'm pulling my hair like, why in the world are we playing John Conchar? But then – you've got all these guys who are super developed and they're ready to play and they're giving you big minutes. 
So uh, it's yeah, kind of a gift and a curse. We're, sure. we're still looking for the first fan in NBA history who loves his coach's rotations. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's the number one complaint, right? Right, yeah. right. So that's not that's not. So let's let, let's move to this backcourt, which is mm-hmm. uh, special. So I, I I put out a tweet that said, Ja and Desmond Bain are a top blank backcourt, and the highest I got was uh, top three. Lowest I got was you know top ten. I, I don't think there are nine backcourts better than them. They're at least knocking on that top five door to me. I mean, you got a. Uh, Steph and Clay, obviously, we got to see what Clay looks like once he gets his full, you know, full uh, CP3. Right. CP3 and book is obviously something to, to, you know, you can't scoff at there. And then, um, you know, after that, I mean, depending if you want to talk about Luka and Brunson, depending on how you, you know, view those guys as players. No, Kyrie's there, obviously. Harden, right, Kyrie. right. Kyrie, yeah. Harden, Kyrie. So, but I think McCollum, McCollum and uh, and uh, Dame, of course. See, I, I have them clear. <laughs> I, I, I can't put them there right now. Yeah, so, 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 I have to clear. Yeah. So, so let, let, let's talk about this backcourt mainly. So um, everybody kind of on the outside kind of scoffed at or raised an eyebrow, kind of letting Grayson Allen walk, especially after how well he played in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the front office coaching staff saw something because Bain was able to step in. He's elevated his game. Uh, Brooks is who he is. I actually feel like you can correct me if I'm wrong when you go, Anthony, that it makes sense. I think Brooks is a six-man anyway with his the way he plays. He's just that wild card. But if he's in, if he's hitting that night, he's on that night, you ride him. Mm-hmm. If not, I think Bain's a little more consistent offensively. I think Dylan is a you know scrappy defender, play hard both ends. I, I think Bain's a little more solid offensively, like you get more even kill with him. Um, so where, where are you with this backcourt, you know, Bain and Morant, and, you know, where, where do they rank to you? And what's so special about them, you know, as a young as a young duo? Um, I kind of hate the rank questions anyway because it's all subjective, but I never really right. thought that's, about that's it. Fair. Like, but that's a good question. Though. Yeah. I, I've never really thought about like that because we, we threw around the question of what is where is Bain in the shooting guard position? Like, is he top 20, 15? Where is he? Like, he's just a shooting guard altogether. But I hadn't really thought about that whole duo, like of John Bain, where they would be. I got think I gotta say top ten though, of course. I like got the top of my head. I don't think I'll go top five or top three, but as far as like, cause cause Mike Conley and and uh, and uh, ah, yeah, Mitchell, yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. good one. So we named we named right around ten. So they're somewhere in that mix for sure. Um, me personally, man, um, when Grayson was here, and you follow me on Twitter. I, I <laughs> I'm a Bane. I've been a Bane guy. Since I remember. Yes, yes. I'm like, I'm like, if a guy is just elite of a shooter, like put that dude in. It's like he don't give a crap, man. Like he he's letting it fly for sure. Um, Grayson had Grayson used to look visibly scared on the court to us. I don't know if that was just his thing, because even after the game in the locker room, he used to look shaky all the time too. So, uh, but, but I've always been a Bane guy. I didn't really like the fact that they didn't really give Bane a good shot to start last year. He went down when when Grayson he came in when Grayson went down. And as soon as Grayson was back, Bain was back gone. I was like, man, ride that dude. You know what I mean? But they made, right. I think they made the right investment um, over the summer. The Grizzlies don't really screw around. Like if, if they're either if if they're either gonna they're either gonna extend you or they're gonna you know move on from you. So so they moved on from Grayson um, instead of giving him an extension this summer. Um, yeah, Bain's phenomenal though, man. Like he's uh, an incredible shooter. And it's it's weird with the Grizzlies, man, because their development is is probably I think Toronto has probably the only, the only team I can say for sure 
Huh. It's either the same level or better. But as far as like, because last year, Bain pretty much showed us he could be a spot of a shooter, and that's pretty much it. But like that kid's game is going to a whole nother level this year, and he's got a huge chip he got on his some wiggle. shoulder. He's got some yeah. wiggle. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't know he was that petty. I didn't know he had a chip on his shoulder at all, but he clearly <laughs> has it. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't know he felt the way about Dallas and I draft, drafted him and Boston and whoever. Like, he feels the way about a lot of people, a lot of teams in the NBA. And he went at LeBron like he was, you know, nobody, the king of nothing is how he went, was talking to him. So um, kind of when I realized he had that chip though. Yeah, man. Like he's we got a we got a lot of little crazy dudes on this team, man. Because Gadget <laughs> Melton is nuts too. You know what I mean? Him, Bane, Dylan Brooks, who's the king maniac. Um, I don't I don't know if you guys ever had the opportunity to see a Grizzlies game before it starts, but if you keep your eyes on Dylan Brooks during the pregame, you'll be highly entertained because he's a lunatic. Like I saw when he was at Oregon, I went to the uh when they played Cal. Mm-hmm. And if you watch, if it's anything like that, I guess. He's it. nuts, man. <laughs> like this, like there was a, a pregame situation where they, you know, we interviewed the coach before the game or whatever. And the players are, ne- are nowhere near this area. Like they're somewhere doing whatever they do. Dylan Brooks is running up and down, like not running, but you know how you got your headphones on, you're just kind of vibing. He's just like bouncing through headphones on with like compression shorts on and nothing else on. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? Like wilding, you know what I mean? Like wilding out before the game. But uh, yeah, Dylan, like you said, I'm a, I'm a big Dylan Brooks supporter. Uh, when a lot of people weren't when because he, he can get very inefficient at times, just to say, uh, yeah, that, I think that was a thing. He just a lot yeah. of there, a lot of variants. He, he'll he'll fall into the Dylan to Dylan world and just kind of forget that there's an actual game in the other team, you know, <laughs> he'll kind of get out there and just start doing this thing. Um, I think the perfect role for him would be coming off the bench, except for the fact that he's our best perimeter defender. Yeah. And he's one of those guys who he's he's a busybody defensively, he's kind of got that Patrick Beverly. You know, numbers don't really support you saying that I'm a good defender. I can really make it look like I'm a great defender. <laughs> he's yeah, one of those yeah. type of guys where, the, you know what I mean? He's, he, he plays defense very loud. He plays defense and offense very loud. Uh, if, and, and, I, and you know the game, so I'm sure you know what I mean by that. So um, it may not be particularly. It's not, it's not quiet on either end. If yeah, it's a loud 15. Yeah, and the numbers don't really line up, <laughs> but you can feel the impact of his offense and his defense because he's loud as hell while he's doing. So uh, that's physically, verbally, you know I mean? He's, he's, he's an aggressive dude. You can definitely feel a game. You can definitely look at a game and feel when it was impacted by Dylan. So that's why I kind of worry about bringing him off the bench um, because he does set the tone so much for us defensively. He's one of those heart and soul type of guys. He's kind of like what Tony Allen was as far as being the heartbeat of the team. Uh So as far as bringing him off the bench, I'm not quite there yet. Plus, uh, we, we seem like we're trying to bring Zaire Williams up faster than I, than I possibly – I don't even want to talk about that on this podcast because it just blows my mind how this dude <laughs> looked horrible when we first got him. And he took some time off of the injury, and he did like some Matrix NBA IQ download software or something, and now he's like <laughs> – it's wild, man, because like, you know, he, and he literally said, like, I was just sitting on the bench watching the games while I was injured, and it just kind of clicked. And then he came out and they just started hooping. So it's like, all right, the Grizzlies yeah, just aren't missing. Like, you know, when, when are they going to make a bad draft pick? So, yeah, that's crazy. So, Kings, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, what is what does this backcourt rank to you? And just uh, what do you think about the the Brooks-Bain kind of dynamic based on what Anthony just said? 
I think the uh, the backcourt is definitely a top ten backcourt. It's definitely one of those uh, backcourts that can sneak into the top five. Uh, you know, obviously John Moran it has a uh, superstar type level talent. Um, ben Bain is producing at a high level, at a high quality starter, and he can shoot the ball really well. Uh, so yeah, I think it's they're automatically top ten, uh, but I think they have a they have a better case for top five than most people would think. You know, if you look around the league, you see how many backcourts are actually uh, playing at a high level and winning on, and on, on both ends. I think they have a better case for a top five than what most people would think. Uh, with the Dylan uh, Brooks situation, uh, I just, if you know, it's just hard, Maples, to sell some a young guy who's playing the best perimeter defense on the team and is giving you 19 points a game that he needs to come mm-hmm. off the bench. Yes, <laughs> you can't. You can't. Especially when that guy's a lunatic. Yeah, you can't yeah. reasonably tell him with the production he's giving on both ends that he needs to come off the bench. Like he he does it. I mean, he's clearly helping the team on both ends. They're clearly winning with him in the starting lineup. They're being, you know, they were winning when Jaw was out and he was playing mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So it's like that guy is a he's a starting NBA player. <laughs> you know what I mean? And. and uh, you know, you have to find, you know, a better six man, like, uh, you know, bring up one of the, one of your other guys you try to develop and have that guy be the six man. But your starting lineup is fire right now. I mean, it's it's, it's hot right now. It's it's, yeah. it's spurred you to where you're at. You can't play with you can't play with fire, man. Just you keep going. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That's really how it is. Mm-hmm. What 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 is uh, Dylan's timetable right now? Oh, it was uh, three to five weeks, I think, when he went down. Man, that dude, ain't no telling with that dude, man. Like <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> like you said, man. He, he's 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 maniacal, bro. Like and and when he's back, you'll know he's back. The, right. the NBA is gonna know he's back. You <laughs> know what I mean? Uh, I think it's like three to five weeks. I think we're probably like about a month away. They said sometime around, either right before or right after the trade deadline. All right, so it's some time before they even got to consider yeah. about the lineup. So it's okay. Yeah, uh-huh. got to, got to. And we're starting Zaire Williams right. now for the most part. So right, yeah. Last day we got to talk about twelve. Um, one of my loudly climbing up my favorite player list. Just I said it the other day. Is uh, you know, I'm not calling him the second best player. I'm not talking about you know just statistical output. I'm talking about sheer entertainment value. It just it doesn't get much better than Lamelo and, and John Morant for me when I watch mm. the game. But just you just the likelihood of seeing something you've never seen before, or you won't see that much with those two is just high every time. You just glued to the TV, just watch just the way they carry themselves, the flair, mm. the amount of love they have for the game. Like it just it's 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 infectious. So um, talk about his development because last year it was like whoa he could be something. People I saw people you know even though. Because of some, you know, some, you know, growing pains talking about, you know, Jonas was the best player on the team in the regular season, which was wild to me when I watched. Uh, this year, you had a little tiff about are they better without him because they wouldn't let Renner Street when he sat there. You know, that, you know, the Ewing theory, you know how it goes, Anthony. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, obviously, we know that's not true. But he comes, he comes back. And the only point guard I can say that's clearly playing better than him, and he, he's hit a snap few lately with his efficiency and, and uh, probably running some fatigue, is Steph. But I, he's playing like the second-best point guard, who, depending on how you feel about Trey, I think defensively, I think Josh started to at least try on that end this year, I mm-hmm. think, which was a, a big change from last year. 
you could tell, you know, he's thinking about it and he sees that it's going to take him being at least uh, a, a, a passable defender for them to be, you know, that championship level team. So just talk about 12, man. Like you said, the, the, the hardest part of a rebuild is finding a guy to build around. And you guys kind of hit that out the right. park already in, at age 21. So talk about 12, man. Man, you talk about 12 forever. He uh, <laughs> right. Jaws one of those guys who he kind of had a transitional season last year. He he came in, made big noise his rookie year. He had a chip on his shoulder because he like you said, he wasn't being uh treated like he was on the same tier as a Zion Williamson. If if you go back and look at the way Stephen A. Smith uh just <laughs> just went on a rant about you know how big Zion would have been for the Knicks and right, right, right. he almost act like Ja was like a nobody you know right, like right, he right. Didn't, you know he, he didn't even want number two so um, Ja had an incredible year that first year like I said led us to uh, play in turn play in tournament situation we were in the we were in the eight seed for you know most of the season but they fell apart in, in the bubble and you know ended up not making it and Portland you know put them out or whatever but uh, that second season with Ja. You know, a lot of guys go through this. Teams, they, they've got film on you. They yep. strategize against you yep. different. So he he came into the year, um, teams who just told us, and all right, we're not going to let that one dude, you know, go off on us. So they, it was, they were, you know, basing their strategy to stop John Morant. Plus he had that ankle injury that I think that he came back from super early, and I don't think he ever really fully recovered from uh, last season until the end of the year. And then, you know, he finished the year super strong, Um lost his mind in the playing game and in, in the uh, playoffs, you know, just killing Utah. I think he had like 40 something in one of the games or something. He was just, you know, going crazy. And it was really his coming out party. Uh, but this year has been the year where he really has taken, you know, that next leap. And I think that the, the injury he had this year and seeing his team win without him, I think it's, it made him have to step up a notch because I think oh. he came out like, and let's just be honest. This is a year. This is an extension year for Job, and he knows that you know All Star Game, All NBA team, <laughs> those type of things. You know, yes, it, it, gets you that, it gets you that Luca money. You know what I mean? Yes, so, and I and I think that he realized those things, and he came out like you know I'm about to be that dude this year because I'm about to get my money. You know, what I mean I'm not knocking him for that at all, but I think that he was putting the defense to the side, and I think that he realized that this team needs me to be more than just you know, 12 who can just come out here and score 30, 40 points. They need me to show that same effort on defense. And he came back rejuvenated. And our defense has gone from being the worst in the league to top 10 in the league, all within 40-something odd games. You know what I mean? So um, he's an incredible player, man. And he he's learned how to pick his spots better now. At first, Jai used to just kind of defer the entire game. he just kind of go off in the fourth quarter. Well, he'll come out he'll come out hard in the first and then he'll fade away. He's finding his spots within the flow of the game. Like, he knows, okay, we're up four. If I go to the basket, get an and one, we're up seven. It's a totally different game now. You know what I mean? So he's kind of finding those spots. And when he, know, he knows he needs to pick his spots or whatever, he knows how to get his guys going. Another major thing with the Grizzlies this year, and we've seen in the past five, six games a lot, is that Jod realizes that the best version of the Grizzlies is when I get Jaron Jackson Jr. going and going early. Point guard, and, point guard. Right. And it's been it's been such a weird thing, man, because John and Jaron have never been good at the same time. And when <laughs> and when John and when John gets both, when John realizes he can get that guy going, and uh, and when he actually does that, and he's trying to make Jaron be that dude and set him up to be that dude, 
it makes the team that much better. And it makes it makes John's game a lot easier. It makes his job a lot easier as well. So, um, like I said, man, he's a super smart guy. Um, he looks, he finds motivation in some of the smallest things. Sometimes you may call that being petty. That's fine. All great players do it. Yeah, but he he does do it, man. Like that whole thing about uh, fans booing him or whatever. It was like two <laughs> or three dudes, and Ja just heard that louder than anything in the arena. Um, and the thing with the little kids the other day was hilarious. At the Golden that State was game hilarious with the jerseys. Like that's that's twelve though, man. That's the kind of stuff he does. Like he remembers it. Like he um, some some guys with uh, Grizzly Bear Blues, which is SB Nation. Um, some of the bloggers here. They made a joke about uh, the Grizzlies being better without Ja, and Ja came at him. You know what I mean? <laughs> After the game, Ja came at him for even playing like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's twelve though, man. But he he's he's a uh, Memphis is a different type of city, man. And Ja is as much a Memphian you can be and not be from Memphis. And it's so weird to see because he's so young. Right. But he fits into the city. Yeah, he fits into the city in a way that no one probably thought he would. That's what I was about to say. It's like it was that. He feels like the city, him and the city have a bond. Like it's just, you know, kind of. Man, job job yeah. might be a little bit too Memphis, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and the main thing that I liked is that the evil Knievel stuff has gone way down. Like he was yeah. making me nervous the first couple of years. Yeah. Like, dude, please, they need your butt on the court. But yeah. Kings, talk about 12, man. It's uh, a lot that you can say about uh, John. I think uh, we had this conversation uh, during that draft. We told people, uh, you specifically, but, you know, I was there with you. We told people, we say, hey, man, this kid can play. The gap is not big. (laughs) The gap is not as big as you guys would like to think. And I will never forget when I first uh, seen John Moran and I first uh, first got turned on to when he was in college. He had one play where he took off on a fast break and he exploded to the rim on one of the craziest left-hand dunks I ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, <laughs> this dude is crazy. And I was like, hey, I know he's not on the P5 conference or a P5 team, but hey, this this is a lottery talent, bro. And I remember I watched that and then it slowly as the season went on, he, he started climbing. The pre the mock draft started climbing, climbing. People were like, "Hey, this John Morant, he got a lot of talent." And uh, you know, we when you watched his college tape, you were he just jumped off the screen, and it was one of those things where it was like, "This guy has this special ability. He has special physical tools. He can shoot the ball, and he has great uh, he has great skill sets in terms of handling the ball, being able to get to the rim, like." You know, I was never sold on there being that much of a guy. I knew Zion was a generational talent, but I always felt that Ja has, could have something to say. And um, you're seeing it now, uh, you, you know, year three. Ja, no, Ja's basically been in playoff hunt or in the playoffs since he's came into the league. Like, I mean, there's something to be said, right, with basketball players and uh, impacting winning basketball. I mean, you still have a lot of people. And, and I think Ja, I, I really want him to keep that that chip on his shoulder because you still have a lot of people that doubt him. You know, I go on Twitter, yeah. you give pe- people give Ja his props. They love what they see. And then you still have people say, oh, well, Zion's still better. He's not better than Zion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we haven't seen Zion play in God knows how long. And, you know, I love Zion's talent. I want to see the guy get back on the court. But it's it, like the fact that this guy been on playoff team, on a team that was rebuilding, and it's taken us to playoffs for three straight years, and people are still aren't giving him the respect yeah. that he deserves. Like I, 
I think he needs to keep take keep taking those things personally. Yeah, keep, keep that letting in. that elevate his play. Yeah, and I'm gonna jump in real fast too, cause that's just the Memphis and me, man. You said a couple things that triggered me, <laughs> like um, like the the head padding he's getting from certain people in media is is starting to get on my nerves. Like the it's, it's the Memphis and the media is starting to get fired up. Like guys like JJ Riddick, like this, you know, the the most improved player narrative. Man, don't don't do that, man. Like don't, <laughs> no, nah, man, don't do that. Cause you know, when have you ever? What rookie of the year have you seen? What former rookie of the year have you seen get most improved player, man? You know what I mean? It's like, and then when you bring job in these MVP conversations, it's like, well, he's not doing enough, and yeah, and 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 you never seen people do this with Luca though. You know what I mean? Luca, Luca got MVP. Uh, people were saying he should be MVP, and they've never been bit higher than the sixty in the West, never. But there are people saying Luca should be MVP, and Ja is taking his team. We're third in the West, man. You know what I mean? And 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 how can you not say that this kid shouldn't get serious consideration for MVP? And the thing is, when people are saying, "Well, look what they're doing without him," how do we know that's not? How do you know that's just not extreme leadership? Where this guy has created a culture where even if I ain't out here, my 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 boys gonna go out there and roll. You know what I mean? Hey, Michael, so, Michael, Michael Wilbon. That's he said. That's what Chris Paul was doing with the set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the funny thing because remember when when uh, Luca his second year had. The team had better on and off numbers when he was not playing, and yeah. they, tried to, yeah. they tried to explain that away. But now with Ja, it's like, oh. yeah, man, quit, 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 pat my boy on the head, man. I got twelve messed up, man. I mean, but the, you know, the the pendulum swung. You know, I think Ja, they see. I think he got the second most votes out of guards right now. He has to be yep, he's past Luca, and, yeah. and we joke about it because man, this dude's this dude's taking on a whole nation and beating them. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so shout out, man. Shout out to twelve. What's your yeah. All right, man. I just, you know, man, that's the range B ball Anthony. We had to discuss the Grizzlies with a, with a, with an insider. Um, let's peruse a little bit in this league. Um, Kings got to talk about the Sixers uh, lately. Um, winners nine out of ten. Uh, Embiid, I, I, I can't think of somebody playing better than him in this last ten to ten to fifteen games. He's kind of playing out of his mind. Uh, what this <laughs> means for me is. Uh, Philly's got to make that trade, man, and get something for Ben to where because you got a guy playing that well and the team is riding around him. If you could flip Ben into, you know, usable players in a playoff series, I think you got a legitimate shot. But I think as is, you need something else to compete with, you know, the Nets and the Bucks uh, at this point. Who are you going to be the top two teams given how the Bulls are starting to, you know, crash a little bit? So just. I know you've been a big and B guy. You never thought that the the gap between yoga to him was big. You stayed ten toes down <laughs> in your beliefs, but just just talk about it, B lately. Um, and then what you think Philly should do? You know, with the bench situation, Maury stays going to ride it out for years, which I think is stupid because the value is only going to go down uh, as the contract continues, and it's just a big cloud over the team, and you can't. Embiid is not the healthiest guy. So you don't want to take a chance and, you know, kind of waste a, uh, a year where he's being, you know, durable. So talk to me, Kings. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, – Embiid is a dominant player. Uh, he's a super smart player in, this, in the NBA. He's one of the best big men we have of our generation. And uh, he – whenever the thing with Embiid has always been whenever he's available, whenever he's healthy, he's always playing like one of the best players of the NBA. But that's always been his problem, being available and then being healthy uh, when he's playing. So it's like 
it's like when I'm not shocked to see this stretch of dominance because this is what he's shown for like the past three years now. You know what I mean? He's he's shown that when he's there and he's and he has all his health, he's gonna be a dominant player. He's gonna impact the game. He's gonna put Philly in positions to win. I'm actually very, very impressed with what I've seen from Maxi and the step he's taken and what he's given them production-wise that to fill in some of the uh, the um, void that Benson has left. But I absolutely agree with you. Uh, the pettiness that Maury is showing right now <laughs> is, is you're wasting a year of, of your of your superstar player. Uh, that's just the bottom line. Um, this should have been resolved before the season, but no people they won't say it. But feelings got in the way. Uh, it's, it's, this is this is this situation is is, is deeper than rap now at this point with the Sixers <laughs> and Ben Simmons. Uh, they, they a lot of pride is on the line for both parties. And uh, at some point, somebody has to be the adult in the room and be like, look, we got to move on. We got to take best available and we, and we got to rebuild this team. And you know what I mean? And for me with Ben Simmons, with the type of um, type of player he is, you know, the haul for Ben Simmons in the off season is not going to change from the deadline. You know what I mean? Like whoever wants Ben Simmons is gonna give you this is gonna give you the same thing in the offseason that they're gonna give you at the deadline. So for Maury, it's just, you know what I mean? It has to be one of those things where it's like you're not you're not gonna get that Dame Lillard trade. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not then the the Blazers are not gonna blow it up, send you Dame Lillard just for Ben Simmons and maybe a pick or two. You know, if the Blazers are trading Dame Lillard, they want the they want all the picks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Horrible. Like they're they're gonna go full full rebuild. We want to draft our own guys. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. trying to hold out for a guy like that. Trying to hold out for a guy like Beal. You know what I mean? Like at some point, you just have to be like, you know, Indiana. Can we get Brogdon? Can we get Levert? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, can we get good guys who can give us depth and play at a high level and, you know, give us a championship team where we have our superstar and we have good pieces around him that can support him and that can play off of him. Like, I think too many, like too many teams get caught up in the star hunting thing. And I know the, the, the homie nap on the timeline, he's been one of those people who talks, who's been anti star hunting. He, he loves the Lakers' misery because he he likes to use that as a lesson for people sacrificing depth, sacrificing <laughs> guys that fill a team role just to star hunt names. I think teams have to be uh, wise how they build. Because look at the look at Milwaukee. Look at Milwaukee. Chris Middleton is a borderline star. You know what I mean? He's an all star talent. He's an all star player, but he's not like a true star player necessarily. But he plays well off Giannis. He plays well in the scheme. He plays well in the system that, uh, you know, that Coach Bud has. It, it's about building a proper team. And then you look at the Bucks now, they're coming back. They don't have, you know, three stars, but they're they're one of the best teams in the NBA. You know what I mean? So it's like build the right team, get the right guys, and let the chips fall where they may. You know what I mean? Like the star hunting, the draft pick hoarding, it's just out of control in the NBA. It's just beyond out of control in the NBA right now. All right. Anthony, I know you're a Grizzlies guy, mm-hmm. but, you know, I know you do pay attention a little bit what's going on yeah. throughout the rest yeah, of the sure. You're a basketball fan, so, mm-hmm. you know, 
talk to us about him being in the Philly situation, in your opinion. Man, they're one of those teams that you kind of forget about them while they're just constantly rising throughout the NBA. Um, and B, like I said, I think the gap between him and Jokic is a lot slimmer than people try that. Uh, so y'all about to get me stirred up because this. this, this <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here, man. That's why we're here. It's like people people champion Jokic while getting bounced from the first round of the playoffs. And, and, and the Nuggets, their best run was when Jamal Murray lost his mind in the bubble. But all the credit goes. Uh, let me. I, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm not I ain't gonna go that deep into it, man. I ain't gonna go that deep into it because you know. But anyway, Jokic is an incredible player. Don't get me wrong. He's probably him. Him and Embiid are one, two, one A, one B to me as far as bigs are concerned. But um, it's weird because even when I was listening to Kings talk, imagine describing the 2021-2022 basketball season to a kid 20 years from now, and saying, "Hey, you know that COVID shot you got to get for school." <laughs> there was a dude who wouldn't play because he didn't want to get that. Like, for real? Like, oh, yeah, then there was this other dude. He didn't play because they, he didn't play because he was mad. For real? <laughs> like, you got you got that going on in the same NBA season, man. Like, imagine trying to explain Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving to a child 20 years from now. You know what I mean? Um, but that Philadelphia situation is wild with Ben Simmons. It really shouldn't have got to this point. It should have gotten taken care of in the offseason. Yep. I'm not saying you particularly have to give the player his way. I'm using power to the players, pro players, on these type of things. I think that Ben plays a way big responsibility in this than uh, than people are giving credit for. They're not holding them hostage, dude. Go out there and play. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, I've been I've been critical of him because I'm big about mental health and those type of things, and I don't think there's something you should cry wolf about. And I'm not particularly saying that he is, but I just hope that he isn't. You know what I mean? Because I know he said yeah, yeah. there's a. Yeah, I don't think there's something that they really joke around about. I don't think there's something to just kind of pull out whenever. Um, but Philadelphia, they're very good. And I think if they can, I think if they can turn, like I said, like 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 King said, it seems like they're trying to swing too big. You're not gonna get Damian Lillard, you're not gonna get, you know, whoever you're trying to get. Just try to get a few guys that could come in and play a role that can help you match up against Milwaukee, help you match up against um, you know, Brooklyn or whatever. You know, call up Detroit and see if you can get like a Jeremy Grant or, you know, something that can kind of build you for right now. Because if, if you think that if you think that Ben Simmons is a lost cause, either try to get something for him or just, you know, whatever. But um, right now they're just arguing over, like you said, hurt feelings. So <laughs> it is so wild, man, even to think about that there's an NBA player who hasn't played a minute this season because of a spec because of a postgame interview in the playoffs last year and hurt feelings and he just hadn't played. And it's, it's, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be so hard to explain it. Right. But they're, they're, um, he's they're up just, to, he's, he's up to 11 million in fines. Like he's like, he's paying for this. Yeah. This <laughs> is, and it's like, um, I think I talked to Amari, Amari Sankofa, who's a friend of mine. Amari covers the Detroit Pistons for Detroit Free, uh, Free Press. Used to cover, used to cover the Grizzlies for the Athletic back when he was living here in Memphis. And he thinks that he gives Ben a lot more blame as far as the, the, um, uh, how this whole thing comes off. Cause I was like, I was like, man, uh, Ben is really letting clutch speak for him and they're really making him look bad. And Amari says, he's like, nah, this, this feels like more Ben Simmons. Than me. Like, I think this is just kind of who Ben Simmons huh. is. Huh. And, I'm, and I thought it was, a whole, I, I think I thought it was just a Rich Paul thing too. I was like, man, this kid's in Rich Paul. Like, this is going to be the first blemish on Rich Paul. Rich Paul is losing money for this kid. He's making him look like an idiot. He's making him look selfish. Starting to think this is just who Ben Simmons is, man. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and like I said, I'm usually a power to the players type of guy. 
But how can you look at a team who's winning like this and and not get that urge like Kyrie Irving got? You know what I mean? Not, not get that urge like Michael Jordan got, you know, when he was away from the game. How, how can you see this and not say, look, man, let's do what it takes for to get out there. I can help this team. I'm one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Um, I'm a 6'9", demigod player. Let's let's do what it takes to make this happen. Plus, y'all already hit me for $12 million. I done gave y'all $12 million back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... It just seems like it just seems so ridiculous. And it's like you forget about them until you see some tweet about, well, Daryl Morey said there's a list of 30 dudes he might trade for or whatever. So call up Sacramento, get the trade done. It feels inevitable at this point. You yeah. know, just just go go get the go get the deal that Sacramento has on the table and make it happen. Yeah, man. I just I just I'll I'll say this from uh some folks who've been around Ben that I, I heard of um he has a bad temper. He has a bad temper. Uh, oh. That's something that that you know some people. I'm not obviously not gonna put their names around. They've been around him in certain environments, and he has a bad temper. So uh, this is definitely a Ben Simmons thing. With Rich Paul, we know he plays the politics and he he does what he can to get his guys to where they want to go. But he's not costing his guys twelve million dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean, he is not costing. His guy twelve million dollars, which is going to come out from his pocket, is going to ruin mm-hmm. his reputation. This is definitely Ben Simmons has decided he does not want to play for this team under any circumstance, and he is hell bent on not playing for this team under any circumstance. And he's willing to ride it out. Image be damned, <laughs> you know. It's image so crazy, man. Because he like, dude, you're not, you're not uh, Harden, who had you know a year left on his deal. You're not Kawhi. You're not these guys who've made these moves. He got that full four years. And you got four to go, man. And these guys, are, <laughs> they're like, hey, we'll gladly, you know, take that that rebate. We'll get, we'll glad to turn those rebate coupons on your contract, for sure. Like, and, and like, bro, you're giving these people money back. And he's in this, and he's killing his legacy, man. Like, for sure. For yeah, sure. And he's too so. good of a player. He's too I good of a player. You know, like. Just like, at the end of the day, you want to see a guy that talented play, right? Yeah. You don't want to see, you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. So anyway, we are at the halfway point of the NBA season. Uh, I talked to you guys before. I wanted to get uh, halfway through your most disappointing thing. Could be a team player about the season. And then your most surprising uh, team player about the season. We'll start with our guests. Anthony, what you got for us? Most disappointing team or player? Most surprising team or player? Um, Disappointing team or player? Disappointed but not upset. Um, the Atlanta Hawks. If you follow uh-huh. me on Twitter, I have a war with their fan base as well as the war. <laughs> I've uh, I've taken upon myself to create southern rivalries. In the I, I gotta add, I gotta add, I get the I get the Pelicans thing because it's division, and that's that's gonna be mm-hmm. it's there. What about the ATL? How, how does the ATL beef work? How did that happen? They're they're so close to us, like <laughs> geographically. You know what I mean? And then Trey Young is there. Trey and John. Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. I got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, they're right up the street as far as like you know road trips or whatever. So okay, I, got uh, you. I got you. And uh, you know, Atlanta is full of of Memphis transplants, and everybody's got cousins and people in Atlanta, and they stole our music. Um, <laughs> there is no there is no Atlanta sound that just came from they, that whole thing is Memphis. So uh, you know, Atlanta sound is is Memphis rap with Balenciagas on. And Gucci belts, so <laughs> and Waffle House, but you know that's about it. 
But uh, no, nah, man, uh, it's just been fun. Like the 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 Hawks organization, I really question what they did last year when they spent so much money to go to kind of make themselves legitimized last year. And then they had that wild playoff run that landed them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it kind of created a false reality of what that team is. Yep, think- that, the, 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 it gave me shades of the Blazers in 2019. Yeah. Well, you know it's it, fake, but you just kind of, you got to fake the phone. Yeah, and they wrote it to death. <laughs> and they, if you want a good laugh, tune in after a Hawks game, go to one of their Twitter spaces, and you will laugh your <laughs> eyeballs out. <laughs> I'm Trust me. About, yeah, I'm about to check that out. Yeah, man, because their fans really think they're the Warriors. They really think that they, you know, they're this 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 next up team. And um, they're really they're really upset that they're, they're not they're not good again this year. <laughs> that, that the crystal that that the, uh, the clock the clock has struck midnight and the the crystal shoes have disappeared. Um, but yeah, um, Hawks are disappointed, man. Like I, I I had a little bet on Fanduel because I was drinking the Kool Aid myself. I did an about face on them, and I I bet on Fanduel that they would you know be over on wins and yeah, looking like they're. Yeah, it's not happening. So yeah, Atlanta for sure. Uh, then Trey Young saying stuff talking about their board. No, y'all just really ain't that good. <laughs> and and like it's crazy because I used to argue with their fans, and all the stuff that I said is what happened is happening. I was like y'all 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 were in a position where you got a ton of young players because even before they added guys like Jalen Johnson and what's the kid's name? Uh, I can't think of his name. The guard with the big hair. Um, before you add young players like that, you still had a super good young core of players. And right. instead of trying to develop your guys from within, you went out and you upgraded all your guys with journeymen and guys who, you know, don't really care too much about winning. If you look at their history, um, what's huh. the guy's name? Um, well, the guy, which one? Galinari. Yeah, Galinari. Galinari. Yeah. That dude don't give a crap, man. That dude's been chasing a, chasing a paycheck the entire time he's been in the NBA. Like, you go out there and you get these guys, and then you're surprised when they flake out on you in season two. And it's just like you make a trade with New York because you know you won't be able to extend Cam Reddish this offseason. I'm like, bro, what are y'all doing? And, like, they – in the, the Collins thing got sketchy last year. You didn't know they were going to bring him back. And it's like – and it's crazy because the best deal that they made between when they were bad a couple of years ago and now was uh, – they're big. Uh, man, I'm so bad with names. Plus, it's midnight here in Memphis. Uh, uh, Capella. Like, and that, that was a guy that you got the year before. And that's really all you needed to do because he's <laughs> – and all this other stuff they went out and did, even Bogdanovich, every, everything they did seems pointless in hindsight because the, the best deal they did was getting Capella. And they, they did that the year before. You know what I mean? If they just right got Capella, kept that young core, you probably would have been a you, – you would have probably still been the same team you are now. And plus, you just had you've been playing your young guys even more, developing them, and you had a clear direction for this team. And like I said, they're just super disappointed in me. Um, as far as surprising uh, players, uh, little disappointing players, um, who's really disappointed me this season? Well, it's just you know, it's just one of each, you know, one disappointing team slash. Oh, okay. Uh, well, either one. Okay. Surprising. Uh, surprising. Um, I'm not gonna toot the Grizzlies horn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all think I heard enough of that? Surprising in a good way to me is uh, Chicago. Yeah, we we play them today. Since it is midnight here in Memphis, this is my third <laughs> my third joke about <laughs> recording the late podcast. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, my oh, boy. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm having a, I'm having a blast, man. Um, the Bulls, of course. Um, I figured they would. I thought this team would struggle um, chemistry wise because you got three guys who 
you know, have had the ball in their hands. Um, and, De- and DeRozan and uh, Levine is almost like looking at each other. They're pretty much the same dude, except for Levine shoots threes. And Lonzo Ball, I figured he would be better here because I'm, I'm a big Lonzo Ball guy. I'm glad he's got the opportunity to actually be a point guard and not whatever they were doing with him in Sacramento. And that's Sacramento in New Orleans. But, um, yeah, man, it's wild to see how good they are. I look forward to seeing them today uh, when they come here for MLK Day. MLK Day game is always a great game, always a big deal here in Memphis. But um, we won't see Levine, of course, but that Bulls team has been phenomenal, man. And I've got to tip my hat to them that they've been this good. Uh, I think they're I think they're for real too because you talk about championship formula, they got some of that same stuff. You know what I mean? Plus they got they don't really have an all defensive player. Uh, Lonzo Ball is a great on ball defender, but you know we kind of forget about uh, Vucevic and how good he's been for them as well. Right. So uh, I think yeah, they got to just figure out. You know that's the same thing with Donovan and OKC mm-hmm. that Chris Paul kind of hid. Uh, they got to figure out how, what they're going to do offensively as far as moving the ball. It's just way too much. That was the thing with in OKC. It's too much ISO. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, for sure. With that, Kings, most disappointing team or player, the most surprising team or player at the halfway point. Who you got for us, bro? Yeah, the most disappointing, I don't go team, I'll say, because uh, the Hawks, that's actually a good pick. That's one of them. But <clears throat> I'll say, I'll go, I'll say the most disappointing player. Um, Man, the most disappointing player so far to me uh, has definitely been, you know, definitely been, I think, James Harden. I think James Harden has really been disappointing this season. Um, it's actually kind of wild with how much of a load KD has to carry offensively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that they're not able to beat good teams. Um, <clears throat> you know, when James Harden played great against the Lakers, kind of went on a little run. People kind of thought he was back, right? That was kind of the the angle. And it seems that, that he's reverted back to playing at a subpar level, at least for his standards. So just to see James Harden like this, um, I almost said Curry, but, you know, he, he he's at least, you know, is competing. He's gotten his team to win. So I won't, I won't put him there. But James Harden, to me, he just doesn't look like himself this year. Um, kind of looks like a shell of himself. But he's still getting, he's still setting guys up. He's still making, getting his assist numbers up. Still get playmaking for that team at a high level. Just that scoring, you know, just that um, some of his decision making is just not, it's just not been up to par. He just looks washed this year. But uh, you know, James Harden though, he's he's James Harden. He still has that talent, so he's always going to be a threat. And the Nets are still a contender regardless. Right. Um, in terms of the most surprising. You know, I, it has to be the Bulls. I had them as a seven seed. Them to be have the record they have, despite the injuries. You know what I mean? Um, I had them way, fourth, baby. Show me love. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had them high, man. The way that Levine and DeRozan have coexisted, the way Caruso and Lonzo have locked up as that backcourt, even without the rim protection, uh, the way uh, Vucevic is at least trying to compete on both ends. Man, you got to give it up to the Bulls, man. You know, the Bulls really have knocked it out the park so far this year. Um, for them now, it's just finishing strong and having a great playoff run to cap it all off and seeing how far they can go. Um, I obviously don't have them going that far because they still deficiencies that that they're just not going to get them over Milwaukee or um, or Brooklyn. But they can raise hell, man. 
Right. I think Mm -hmm. they deserve everybody's respect this year. Right. Yeah, for me, uh, disappointing. Um, It's a player for me. It's it's, it's really Julius Randle. Oh, man. Yeah. One of my – you know, he's one of my favorite players. You know, I got, I got, you know, a support my baby. I have a baby Laker agenda that I, I like to ride out. Uh, it's just everything's down for him. Even the defensive energy he showed when he was turning the corner, you know, that's down. Um, efficiency all the way down, not affecting the game as much as he was last year. So, you know, hopefully that changes. I still believe in Jew, but uh, man, they changed those foul rules a little bit. And he looks uh, lost. So that's that's what for me the Knicks are also struggling. They were four seed last year, so mm-hmm. you know he's just carrying over from the playoff struggles. Uh, surprising for me, I, I got to be honest, man. Like it's Bulls related, but just digging deeper is DeRozan, man. Uh, I knew he was good watching him in, in with the Spurs last year in that system. He was still good, but just seeing him like knock on the MVP candidate door, given how crazy he played this first half of the season, is what I did not expect. Uh, that that's probably a shocker for me seeing him play at this point of his career, like, right? It's not, exactly, it's the age, right? It's the age, yeah. it's the age that got me. Like, who does that in their early to mid thirties? Okay, mm. I'm gonna decide to throw myself into an MVP conversation. Um, so that's the biggest surprise for me. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, you two, something you want to see second half of the season from a, it could be from a player, from a team, something you want to see. Uh, Anthony, start with you. Say that one more time, my man. It's something you want to see second half of the season from a player team, just real quick before we get out of here. Uh, something I want to see from a player or from a team. Um, I want to see uh, LaMelo Ball take that next step. Uh, we've seen the flash. We've seen, you know, the the, the big-time plays. I want to see him get that – solidify that Charlotte team uh, to be a playoff team. Him and Miles Bridges have a good thing going down there. I want to see him kind of really show that second level of maturity this season and just kind of be, you know, that guy for them this year, for sure. All right, Kings, make sure anything besides the Lakers trade seven people. I know what you're about to go, Kings. <laughs> no, I'm actually not going to go over that trade. It's actually, I mean, it's Lakers related. I just want to see Anthony Davis be Anthony Davis. Okay. Yeah. It's been two seasons of this weird type of play that we've seen from AD. I just want AD to come back and be the Anthony Davis that we have seen for, you know, the, all the seasons prior from these last two injury-filled years. Don't be too good, though. They owe the Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. If it's one through ten, it's Pelicans, and anything beyond that, it's, it's, it's Grizzlies, right? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I, I need them to be the 11 seed. I need them to be, not, not 11. I need them to be 11 from the bottom. That would be perfect. Right. Uh, for me, uh, y'all both, well, Kings, no. Anthony, you probably see me tweet about it. Uh, Brandon Ingram's my favorite player. Uh, I want to see Zion back. I really think that team could make the play in. Uh, hopefully, he can get out there. I know they sent him to Portland to go to Nike Labs to rehab and try to get himself right for the season. Uh, Anthony, I know this uh goes against your principles as a Grizzly fan because they're the division. But I do <laughs> want to see Z play. I, I got to see my BI, my boy BI, play in games that matter. Uh, at least get to the play in, man. Yeah, man, I, I've I've met a lot of Pelicans fans that are cool. Like I, I talk a lot of crap on Twitter, man, but I've made some legitimate like Twitter friends from right. from talking crap with other with with fan bases. And oh, that, and that's what it's about. As long as you yeah, know, the, people, the people Hawks and the Pelicans yeah, fans yeah. are some of the best, man, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. So make sure you guys tap in with 
Anthony Sane on Twitter at Sane underscore Asylum, correct? Yeah, no, it's uh just straight at Sane Asylum. Sane Asylum. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. At Sane Asylum. Sane is spelled S A I N. My fault. At Sane Asylum. Uh, tap in with me with all Grizzlies talk. Uh, at his Kings, bro. At my sub, Digit Maple fifty five underscore MST. Uh, drop us feedback. Uh, give us suggestions with the pod. We appreciate all you guys tapping in. Anthony, once again, appreciate you, my brother. I know you stayed up too late hanging up. Man, it's, it's Tuesday in Memphis right now. I believe. It's just Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all, man. Y'all be safe. We are out of here.